The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of The Heat Check, we have a special interview with Tony Jones from The Athletic to discuss how the Utah Jazz went from starting 6-17 and 17 to following that up to going 17-6, and 6, along with what they do at the trade deadline, and much, much more. After a brutal cold spill, it feels like spring here, so do me a favor. Drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. All right, uh, welcome to the show, Tony Jones. He covers the Utah Jazz and the general NBA for the Athletic. The last time I saw Tony Jones in person, he was on the prime real estate beat. He was covering the championship caliber Denver Nuggets before they actually won the chip. I saw him in Miami, came by like a real mensch, said, what's up? He is a hoops addict. He is a doting father. He's from Akron originally. Philly and Brooklyn Rays. Wow, just like hard rock country for Tony Tony Jones. <laughs> now now in Utah, which is just outrageous. Um what a what a juxtaposition. Welcome to the show, Tony Jones. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was Yo, it was fun running into you in Miami though. That was that was that was straight. Yeah, that's it's always nice to see familiar and friendly faces that you don't expect to see. When you're, you know, just trying to do your work, trying to get in, get out. And I was there, not really officially. I was there obviously covering, but I, I worked the betting show Monday through Friday. So I was like, let me just go there, watch some games, see what's happening, get in and get out. But um, I saw a tweet of yours and you saw eight rats. And I thought to myself, maybe Tony is in last night going to the fo- uh, basketball game. And I said, maybe Maybe actually Tony went to go see the Nuggets play the Knicks, but no, he is here in my city, into the DMV, saw eight rats on his way, and they were bold and they were brazen. Did you? Did they come up to your hand and ask you for a piece of bread, or what, what was the story there? No, they. one of them ran, like, across my foot. Like, not across my foot, but, like, you know how, like, a cat crosses your path? So mm. one of them did that. Uh, one of them, uh, so... So I would say three of them kind of ran away from me when I, when I like, like said, Hey, get away. And then one of them like stopped and stared, but there was one of them that had hops, Trista, like one of them like jumped up onto, so, you know, just kind of like when you walk on G street, Yep. you walk past the, is it G street or F street? I think it's G street. 
and you walk, well, it might be F Street, but you walk past the library, the, the Martin Luther yep. King Library. So I was walking past the library and, you know, the, the little stanchion that you have to kind of get up to. One of them jumped off the ground onto the stanchion. Oh, God. <laughs> that led to the library and like, whoa, and like ran away. I was, so that was impressive because that was, that, 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 that little, that guy had like, you know, 30 inch vertical leap. So I, you know, so I was definitely like, I was like, there was a rat that with athletic ability. So I, I was, and they were all really big, like little cats. They weren't small. At all. This is like the new NBA, right? Like they're getting guard skills at seven feet tall. They all have 30 inch verticals. Yeah. Like that the, the evolution of rats is actually the evolution of the NBA in and, a nutshell. We need to get that rat in the dunk contest. Like they're comfortable with human beings. Like, you know, you go on the rat Wikipedia page and like the rat Wikipedia page says like they run away from humans. They're scared of human contact. Well, these ones that I didn't encounter last night, they were in fact, not scared of humans. So that was a little bit unique. When I first moved to where I used to live in DC, there was this, this side street and I would take my dog down this side street because it was the closest side street near the apartment complex. And it became known by me and her as Rat Alley. And in the summer, and it wasn't really an alley, it was just a just like a one lane side street parking, all that right off of 14th and she would see, we would see sometimes 10, 15 rats in that one block on both sides. And she started hunting them. She started smelling them out, flushing them out, seeing where they would go. Sometimes they would just be walking down the sidewalk. Like nothing, nothing was up. She's yeah. chasing them. They look at her like, yeah, come get me. Yeah. Then it's like, you know, you're kind of walking the dog and you're kind of walking the rats as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I, I would say this, like, you know, I grew up in New York and, you know, you see the subway rats, you know, they always kind of kept a safe distance from you. So it was like, you know, it was like a rite of passage. Like, so if you, if you were a visitor or a tourist in New York, you take the subway or whatever, you'd be like, Oh, look at the subway rat because you know they they were like 15, 20, 30 feet away from you. So they were of no imminent danger of coming close to you or whatever. But these DC rats are different. Yeah. These these joints that I saw last night, they they was they were they were a little different. So I was definitely I had to I had to tweet through it. I had to tweet through it for sure. So you watched the the jazz play. The Wizards, Wizards, one of the most disappointing teams really in the NBA for the last decade. But I wanted to talk to you about the Jazz. Obviously, this is your beat, but I don't think anybody thought that this team would be 500 right now. They had a great year in the beginning of last season, right? They were actually, I think, number one in the West for like two weeks. Played really well after that marketing trade. I'm curious from your perspective, how did they go from what a lot of people thought was going to be a tanking team, a team probably selling at the deadline, maybe they still do, to a team that maybe is trying to make a push for a plan? They, there's a couple of things. Number one, I don't think this season was about tanking. They wanted to, to be competitive. 
you know, I mean, they didn't have any illusions that they were going to be at the top of the West by any means or anything. But I mean, I thought that I think that they thought that they were going to be more competitive than they were last year. So the seven and 16 start was the actual disappointment for the front office. Hmm. And because they thought that they were, you know, at least on paper, a little bit better than that. So, you know, the they so since their seven and 16 start, I believe they actually 16 and seven um, because they're 23 and 23, um, 23 and 23 with the, the win over the Wizards last night or on, on, on Thursday night. So, um, you know, they've, you know, the rosters developed, they've kind of gotten, you know, guys to buy into their roles. They've gotten guys in the right roles. You know, for instance, Jordan Clarkson was starting uh, for much of the first part of the year and Colin Sexton was coming off the bench where they switched that. And, you know, that, that appears to be uh, the right switch because, you know, Clarkson just comes, he plays better coming off the bench and, and Sexton, you know, pretty clearly plays better as a starter. So, um, that's number one. Number two, I would not discount them from still selling at the deadline um, because, you know, they, you know, even with the front office saying, hey, you know, we think that we can be more competitive, maybe compete for a playing spot. Um, there's a, a big picture in mind and there's there's a goal in mind. And, and the goal of that front office is to compete for a championship. And, you know, not to, to be a team that that competes for a playing spot. So, you know, they have some um, some high value veterans, um, you know, Jordan Clarkson and, and Kelly Olenek come to mind. And, you know, I think if if the Jazz get the right value for either one of those guys, I don't think that they'd um, be afraid to pull a, pull the trigger on a, on a trade uh, for either one of those guys. So. You know, it's a it's a big picture thing, you know, with the Jazz uh, that they definitely have in mind. And, you know, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, I think that they're just in a step of 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 the process. And, you know, and they, they're still trying to figure out who they are, who some of the guys on the roster, who some of the guys on the roster are. And, uh, and, I, and I think that, you know, the, the grind continues for them. Yeah, I like Colin Sexton. Obviously, things didn't work out with him in Cleveland, but I'm curious. Like, do you think this is a one of those scenarios where his stock will never be higher? I mean, he's averaging like 26, 27 points per game. Assists are up. He's Super Bowl dominant, and you've already drafted Keontae George. Maybe he's not ready for a year or two, but like, kind of like Kobe White in Chicago. Like these are guys who were supposed to be really good. Then they sort of fell off. They developed late, but are they that guy? And their stock is high. Like you said, you want to be sellers and extract as much value as you can. And small guards aren't really the the key to a championship team. Like, what do you think Utah's perspective is on on Colin Sexton short term, intermediate term? Like at this deadline, I think he's probably one of he's probably one of the most interesting um, guys on the roster in terms of that because I don't know that he fits either either 
box, right? Like, you know, I think that there's a scenario where, you know, he's with the Jazz for a long time. And I think there's a scenario that that he's in a different uniform two weeks from now. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, he this this is what I will say for him. There aren't many guys in the league that can get to the basket like Colin Sexton. And I think that he's proven that over the last month. I think it's incredibly difficult to keep him out of the lane. I think he uh, once he gets to the basket, uh, he 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 has un- a unique athleticism for his size that allows him to finish there in there. And I think that he's one of the most competitive cats that I've seen in a long time. Um, he doesn't care who you are. Uh, he's going to go at you. And I think that every team kind of needs that guy. Um, and, you know, and I think that he does some things that really make him incredibly unique, even for his size. And, you know, I know he's listed as 6'1 or 6'2. He's not 6'1 or 6'2. He's about 5'11, maybe six mm-hmm. feet. And, you know, even with that, you know, I think that there are things that he does that allows him to play bigger than his size. And I think that Will Hardy does a really good job of maximizing his strengths and putting him in a position to where uh, his strengths can be accentuated on the floor. Um, you know, that being said, you know, there are obviously some some real weaknesses. You know, um, you don't know if he's a point guard or a two guard. Uh, you know, so, you know, if he's a two guard, that means he's a six foot two guard. So, you know, how do you defend, you know, with him on the floor, especially at a championship level, you know, because right now, I mean, there's a, you know, I mean, right now the jazz are playing, you know, for, for playing and vibes, you know, so they want to play for a championship. So the question is, if you're the jazz front office, if you're the jazz coaching staff, you know, you have to project what Colin Sexton can do and you have to ask yourself what Colin Sexton can do. So the question with Colin Sexton is, yeah, he's averaging whatever he's averaging right now. You know, yeah, we're, we're semi-competitive in the Western Conference. We're 23 and 23. But when we get to where we want to go, when we get the roster to, you know, a point where it's championship competitive, is Colin Sexton a part of that roster? And I think that that's that's a, a difficult uh, question to answer, and I think Collins made it a lot more difficult uh, over over the last month because of what he's done. And I think that that's a compliment to Colin because I think that before, you know, if you had asked me this question six weeks ago, I'd say absolutely not. Now I think that it's a lot more of a question than it was six weeks ago, and I think that that's a compliment. Um, to 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 what Colin has done and what how how Colin has developed over those last six weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
How, real quick, back to Will Hardy, because I know that Will Hardy admitted that he just kind of improperly judged what Colin could do, who Colin was, what he had heard about Colin from his time in Cleveland, and you know made changes appropriately once that perception had changed. Has he spoken anymore? Do you have any more kind of like insight into how that perception did change from Will Hardy other than just like more time around the guy? Well, I think the perception, you know, was that, you know, I mean, Collins and probably an NBA six man. And yeah. I think that what what Colin has proven is that he's a starter uh, and that he's a starter level player and that he's a starter level talent. Um you just have to – I don't want to invoke this name <laughs> because I don't want you people think that I'm, I'm comparing it to. But it's kind of like how you had to build a little bit around Allen Iverson. Like you had to build a roster. So, you know, when you saw the best of Iverson, it was like, all right, we got a whole bunch of defenders around this guy. You go shoot 35 times a night because that's what you do. Um, so – the 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 analogy in the comparison here is what the Jazz did around Colin was they put John Collins at the center spot and they took Walker Kessler out of the starting lineup because John Collins can offer spacing with his shooting. So now the Jazz are playing a five-out offense, and now that they have that spacing and they have that room it opens so much more space up for, for, for Sexton uh, to get into the paint off the dribble, to get paint touches, to get, to get to the basket, um, uh, to get to the basket off the bounce and the, and the finish. And, you know, that's how you have to kind of build around Colin Sexton because, you know, you're not going to have a rim running big because, you know, he's not uh, the greatest pick and roll player ever but he was a really, really great isolation guy. And mm -hmm. he's a really hard guy to stay in front of uh, off the dribble. So if you have a whole bunch of space, uh, then that makes, then it makes it that much harder to defend, to defend him. So this is what I think is interesting about the rumors in terms of where he could be traded. So there was a rumor today that came out about Sexton to LA Lakers, and I can find almost no worse spot for Colin. You know, that's just, Talk about five wide, him needing to shoot the ball 35 times in a system with Braun and AD. I do not understand what that would be useful for besides finding a guy down the stretch that could get you a bucket. But like point guards kind of go to die there, right? Like even Malik Monk didn't play his best basketball there. You're seeing D'Angelo Russell for all his flaws have very up and down performances. Dennis Schroeder. It's probably one of the more successful point guards that they've had, but he's undersized. Like, do you think Sexton makes sense there? Not really, because the, the thing is that LeBron's one of the greatest point guards that ever played a game. Right. I'm, you're talking about a guy that's number four all time in assists in NBA history, and you're talking about a guy that's still um, one of the six or seven best players in the league. Nobody's taking the ball out of LeBron's hands. So, you know, whether they trade for, you know, uh, Colin Saxon or DeJounte Murray or, you know, whether they trade for me or you, um, you know, LeBron's going to have the ball when it really matters. And, you know, whoever that person 
that they traded for is going to be playing out of a corner when it really matters. So, you know, you almost the 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 best team that the Lakers have put around LeBron was in 2020 when, you know, it was Danny Green, when it was Contavious Caldwell Pope, when it was a whole bunch of guys with size and athleticism who knocked down shots and who defended at a high level around LeBron and, and, and Anthony Davis. And, and I struggled to, to uh, you know, I struggled to think of why they keep, you know, trying to put these ball in hand guys around, uh, around LeBron when it's clear that, you know, LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands when it really matters. Um, you know, they, they probably, uh, need one more guy that can play with the ball in his, in his hands. But, you know, when it, when it really counts, you know, you get to the playoffs or whatever. And I'm, I know the sentiment is you don't want to wear him down in the regular season, but you know, LeBron is really the point guard there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We were talking about point guards, me and my friend earlier today, just like how difficult that position has become in the modern NBA, like how much you have to process, like, thinking about what defensive schemes are being put in front of you, how they're pretending it's one thing and it's actually another thing, making sure that, you know, the game's not too fast for him, fast for them. And uh, a player that sort of comes to mind that I want to get your thoughts of uh, is Keontae George balled out until he sprained his ankle in the summer league had like, I think a good two to three weeks for Utah where I was like, Oh man, like he's an assist machine. He's a steel machine. He's getting buckets. Now I see him, to your point, kind of a guy in the corner, like just shooting corner threes, playing off ball a little bit too, has had some promising moments, seems to be, I guess, like up and down the the way of, of a young NBA guard, I guess. Like what, what do you think, where do you think Keontae George is right now in his development? Like how close is he to being the starting guard? And like it, you think he's the future for this team? So, I mean, he's fine in in the grand scheme of things. He's going through right now what all rookies are going through. And here, here's what I'm saying. Number one, what I've seen over the last two or three weeks is that he's been scouted. He went around the league once. Now he's going around the league kind of a second time. And, you know, the league has scouted his strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, so – now you've seen a difference in the way he's been been played a little bit. You know, um, you know, guys are are pressuring his handle more, playing him a little bit more ninety four feet. But then you get in, they're getting into the half court, and guys are starting to go under his screens uh, instead of going over. Uh, so that's cutting off his driving lanes a little bit. So what has to happen, right? Like. The jump shot has got to start going in. And, you know, if it doesn't go in this year, it doesn't go in this year. You know, you just got to go to the get to the lab on in some in the summer and come back in in and make your adjustments. But number one, the league is adjusted to his early success. And I think that that's now he's got to adjust to the league adjusting it. And everybody goes through that no matter who you are. And I think number two, you know, you said a rookie wall, you know, the, the, the jazz are 46 games deep, you know, he's never played more than 37, 38 games in a season. Um, 
you know, in, in, you know, that's, it's, that's something that, that every rookie has to go through and every rookie has to adjust to. So, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the injury set him back a bit. It, it took him out of the starting lineup um, because, you know, when he did get injured, uh, that's when Sexton emerged. That's when Chris Dunn emerged. And that's when the Jazz started winning. So, you know, you really couldn't put him back into the starting lineup. So, you know, that took away um, that took away a lot of his minutes. The second thing, and, I, and nobody really talks about this, he plays a ton of his minutes with Jordan Clarkson. Mm. So when you're playing with Jordan Clarkson, you know, just off definition off that alone, you're playing out of a corner. And, you know, not only is he now playing a ton of his minutes with Jordan Clarkson, he's also playing a ton of his minutes with Kelly O'Lenick. The, the second unit offense runs through both of those guys. So he's seeing a lot less opportunity with the ball in his hands in the second unit. And this is actually ironic than he would have in the first unit. When he's playing in the first unit, you know, he's playing with Larry Markkinen, who plays almost exclusively off the ball. He's playing with... John Collins, you know, he's playing with guys who by skill set definition, he can actually run the offense. He can actually run these pick and rolls. He can actually run these actions. Now you're playing with the second union. You're playing with Jordan Clarkson. You're playing with Kelly Olenek. And it's not really a system. It's really, you know, Jordan takes the ball. He's going to run pick and roll or he's going to run isolation. He's going to get buckets and he's getting you know, stuff off secondary, off secondary action. So his, his role changed with the injury. Um, he ran into a rookie wall. Guys started playing him differently. And, you know, he's had to play differently himself by definition with the, the guys that he's playing with in the second unit rather than playing in the starting unit. You and I are both, uh, you can't really talk about Keontae George without talking about Taylor Hendricks too. Obviously Taylor Hendricks took, was taken earlier in the first round than Keontae was. I was super high on him. I still am really high on him. We even were talking about this on Twitter when he was getting minutes, like why is he getting a lot of DMPs? Is it just like a getting lost in the rotation kind of a thing just too many guys that are veterans that are ahead of him and and you talk about this team needing to really like build for the future and not think really about winning now but they kind of are because they're not really giving Taylor Hendricks that many minutes like what what are people saying about him and when we should be seeing him play more well if you play Taylor Taylor Hendricks you're probably not playing Kelly Olenek or you're probably not playing Walker Kessler. You don't want to not play Walker Kessler because he's a part of your future. And if you don't play Kelly Olenek, then guess what? You can't, you can't trade him. him. You can't trade him. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. And it's a simple answer. It's an answer that, you know, a lot of people in the fan base don't want to accept, but it is what it is. And, you know, the gist of the whole thing is that as long as Kelly Olenek is on the roster, then, then Taylor Hendricks is probably not going to be in the rotation. Um, so Kelly Olenek's got to go. He's just got to go. Yeah, but he, he's an expiring. So even if he doesn't go during the trade deadline, he's probably going to go on free agency. And then Taylor Hendricks will be in the rotation. You know, he's a, rot- he's a rotation level guy. I am 
very, 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 I, I can't stress how high on him I am. I think he has unicorn qualities. And I know that word is thrown around, but there are not many six foot 10 guys that are running around the league that can defend like Taylor on the perimeter as well as protecting the rim and who can also shoot 35 to 40% from three. And that's what I think Taylor Hendricks is. Now, the question with Taylor Hendricks is for me is um, I think his floor is a super valuable role player. Now, the question is, can he develop his handle? Can can he develop the swing parts of his game enough uh, that he can actually be a star? But, you know, this is the 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 cold hard truth with Taylor Hendricks is if the Jazz do not trade Kelly Olenek in two weeks, Taylor Hendricks is probably going to be in the G League for the, for the rest of the year. And um, if they do trade him, then Taylor Hendricks will probably be in the rotation for the rest of the year. But no matter whether whether they trade him or not, you know Kelly's probably going to move on in free agency, and Taylor's going to be in the rotation you know, at the start of his sophomore season. So, you know, he's he's super young. Um, he's got a long, long way to go. You know, bigs often take time to develop, and this kid is 19 years old. So, I mean, I just think that, that jazz fans need to show a little patience and, you know, um, whether he's in the G League or not this year, he's going to develop. Uh, and, you know, he's, you know, I think the Jazz are anticipating him being ready to go by by the latest next season. Mm. What about Simone Fontecchio? Because he has come out of nowhere. I feel like I did not see him getting significant minutes. If you would have asked me in like August, I don't know if that's you too, but are you, are you surprised? How surprised are you that his skill set is meshed with the NBA game? He's kind of like a cult favorite, too, within the Jazz fan base, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, it's kind of wild. I did not know that he was – I did not – I had questions going into the season whether he was an actual NBA player. And now I think that he's an NBA rotation player. So – you know, he's he's made real strides um, uh, this season. Uh, he's he's, um, you know, proven himself that he can defend, um, you know, at a high level. Um, well, at an acceptable level, um, you know, he can knock down shots. Uh, he's knocked down, you know, a lot of shots this year. The same shots that he was making this year, he was missing last year. Now, yeah. the difference is last year he got a lot fewer opportunity within the rotation. So, you know, if you know you're going to be playing 10, 10, 15 minutes a night, you know, the pressure to to make shots when you come off the bench is different than if you're start in the starting lineup and you're playing 25 or 30 minutes a night because you know that, you know, you know that you're not coming out of the game if you miss you know, three shots in a row. So, um, you know, I've been impressed with his shot making. Uh, I've been impressed with um, the trigger that he has in terms of 
you know, he can get a shot off quickly and he can get a shot off uh, when contested. Um, that's a valuable skill to have. Uh, he's obviously six, seven, six, eight. Uh, and he's a lot more athletic than people think he are than, than people think he is when he gets into the basket. Um, when he gets into the lane, he has the ability to get above the rim in traffic. And I think that that's a, a valuable skill, uh, to have, have as well. So, uh, I think that Simone has, has, um, given himself an actual NBA career this year. And I think that that's a real accomplishment for him. Yeah, it's always fun to watch, too, when guys make a career for themselves before our very eyes when we didn't even know if they were going to make it, if they were a G League guy, if they were an overseas guy. So congratulations to him because it's been it's been a fun thing to watch. Outside of the Jazz, though, let, like, let's quickly just kind of talk about your thoughts on the West. Suns right now, 9-4 and four when Beal, KD, and Book have played together. They're eight. They've won eight of their last ten. Like, is are, are the Suns to you for real? Well, I mean, any team with Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant for me is for real. Um, they were the team that actually they were the only team that after four games with the Denver Nuggets last year they were two two, and you know the the thing with Durant and Booker is. Um, those guys are expert shot makers. Um, they're, you know, super dynamic off the dribble. Um, you know, so you put one guy, one of those guys on the floor, you put another one on one side of the floor, you put another one on, on the other side of the floor. It's almost impossible for NBA defenses to to stop those guys from getting to their spots and, and getting to the shots that they want to take. And then you add Bill into that, and if he's healthy, you know, I mean, he's terrific, and they have a bunch of shooting around it. I mean, Grayson Allen's having a terrific year. You know, Eric Gordon. You think, you think Grayson Allen's their third best player, like in all actuality? No, of course not. <laughs> no, Bill is Bill is the third best player. So he just got a good um, role, right? Like those when you have that much making, anybody who can knock down shots from the corner is going to be able to put up twenty five or thirty and shoot fifty percent from three if they're a really good shooter like like Grayson well yeah Grayson's a great shooter uh he has a short memory and and you know that really helps him and you know and Grayson knows how to play and he knows how to play off stars he was playing off of stars you know all the way back to when he was in, at Duke you know so you know he knows how to play off of of, of elite talent so you know um, that's a, a, a valuable skill to have. And, you know, he gets, a, you know, there's, you have to put so much attention on, on KD and book. And then Brad, when Brad is healthy, that, you know, uh, Grayson ends up getting a lot of, uh, of open looks. Now the question with Grayson is, can he knock them down in the playoffs? Because typically he hasn't knocked them down in the playoffs. Um, and the question with Phoenix is, you know, how do they defend in the playoffs because they don't have a lot of guys who can defend. So, you know, they, they've started to play better. Um, you know, they've, they've gotten to a point. I think they're actually like fifth in the West right now, yes. you know, so, you know, they've, they've actually come all the way back because they were, they were like two games 
above the Jazz like two weeks ago, and they've gone from from that to to like fifth in the West. So, you know, they they deserve a lot of credit for for how they've kind of rebounded. To you, which which teams are the real contenders? I guess like contender meaning a Western Conference Finals appearance, and then like who is kind of pretending or cosplaying that might be atop the West? Well, I mean, I think that the the Clippers are are super dangerous, and I think when you add the Phoenix Suns you have five teams that you can all see making the Western Conference Finals. You know, um, Minnesota's obviously been great. Oklahoma City is, is you know, they're, they're, as, they're as dynamic a team that there is in the league. Um, Denver is Denver. You know, the Clippers – have been absolutely terrific since the Harden trade. And then you have Phoenix. So the question is, you know, is there anybody that's capable of joining that party? Maybe Sacramento, if they kind of figure out how to get stops on the other end, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. You know, you can't discount the Mavericks because Luca and, and Kyrie are, are, are that dynamic, but, I don't know that they have enough, you know, and we'll see if the Lakers figure something out on, on the back half of the schedule to where, you know, they can they can get to that level uh, as well. But right now, I think you're looking at five teams for two spots in the Western Conference Finals. Who's more real to you really quick? Because I think, you know, there are two top teams in the West, number one and number two. Both were not anywhere near there last year in terms of like in the standings, OKC and Minnesota, Minnesota. We didn't know if Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns was going to work. I think a lot of people thought it wasn't going to work Two bigs, like messing up spacing for Anthony Edwards. And then, you know, OKC was a playing team. They get bounced. And then you just add Chet and all of a sudden things click like between the two, who are you the most afraid of if you're a team like the Denver Nuggets? I would probably, you know, and and so playoff basketball and regular season basketball might as well be two different sports. Um, So in a playoff series, if I were the Nuggets, I'd rather play Oklahoma City than than Minnesota. Minnesota has styles make fights. And, you know, Minnesota has, you know, bigs that they can throw at Jokic but they also have wings that they can throw at Jamal Murray. You know, you can throw, you're throwing, uh, let's say they're healthy because they weren't healthy last year. You're throwing Jay McDaniels at, at Jamal Murray. You're throwing, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker at Jamal Murray, you know, in spots, you know, in clutch time, when you really need to stop, you can still throw Anthony Edwards at Jamal Murray, who I think is, you know, not only one of the most dynamic offensive players, but he's also a dynamic defender as well. I mean, you just have guys, they just have bodies that they can throw at Denver's two best players. You know, you're not stopping Jokic, you're not stopping Murray, um, but, you know, those guys can make those, they have guys that can make those guys pause 
And, you know, and I just don't think that, you know, as good as Oklahoma City is, you know, I, I just don't think they have the guys that, that they can throw at Jokic or Murray. I can't I can't close my eyes and and see Chat Holmgren, you know, <laughs> the second series, you know, really bothering Nikola Jokic, you know, or making him inefficient. And, you know, as 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 good as uh SGA is you know, even even Lou Dort, I still think Jamal's gonna do what he's gonna do, you know, in a seven game series against uh, against the Thunder. Um, you know, my question my question with Minnesota is, you know, can they really score um, when it really counts in the in the postseason? But man, they have so many bodies defensively uh, that they can throw at in their, that they can throw at Denver, and they're so um versatile defensively I mean they can really guard anybody and I think that if you get to the to the postseason and you can get stops against anybody you have a chance and then when you have a guy that's capable of going God mode like Anthony Edwards then you have a real chance yeah and I think actually Denver even though the game it went five they said Minnesota and Jokic said Minnesota was their toughest matchup all the way through the playoffs because of how they were able to defend Jokic down in the post where they have one guy on him at all times and the other guy kind of blitzing them and pressuring them and just making life uncomfortable for them. So, yeah, they've got a lot of size and not shockingly the same guy who built the Nuggets is building the Timberwolves, probably right. with that entire goal in mind. And then on the East, like, is there anyone that challenges the Denver Nuggets to you like in a real way? Because for me – I don't trust Boston because they're so ISO heavy. And that's just like they won't get out of their own way in that way. And I haven't been able to see it yet. To you, is it is it Philly? It like we can't really trust Milwaukee and their defense and, and their size, especially with Dane. Like, who is it to you? Uh, it's Boston to me. Cause I still I just think Boston is the best team. They've been the best team um in the league and you know, but the question with Boston is, and this is how Denver was able to beat them um, at TD Garden, you know, Boston went dry from three-point range when it really counted. And that's, like, always the the, the thing. thing with them, right? Like, you know, you, you start hitting threes for three quarters and then, like, you get to the last five minutes of the game and, you know, they they just miss at the wrong times. This is all on Tatum for me. Like, Tatum's got to start getting rim pressure in the last four or five minutes of games. He's got to – Tony, gotta, why won't he do that? Why won't he do that? Like, you get like at, at some point you just got to stop with the turnaround fadeaways from 19 feet with the game on the line. You got to just start getting to the basket and start getting on top of the rim. Like, at least bend the defense to where if you kick out those three-pointers that you're missing – you're missing in crunch time are actually wide open instead of contested because that's why they miss them because they're contested and like you've got 48 minutes on your legs. So yeah, you're going to miss them, but you know, you got to me, you know, this is that part is on Tatum. He's got to start figuring out a way uh, to stop settling at the end of games and start getting rim pressure. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was, really um the same script 
where Boston lost that game to to Denver at TD Garden. You know, Denver knew exactly what they were going to do down the stretch. They were going to go to Jokic. Jokic was going to get to the lane. He's going to do what he's done. He was going to do what he did. And Boston didn't really know what he, what they were going to do. And you know, I still think that 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 Boston's been the best team in the league during the regular season. Um, I still I think they're the best team in the East, and I think that they're they're the team that's a unique enough matchup for Denver um, to to give them, you know, the ultimate series if um, if Denver were to make it back to the finals. But you know, Tatum's got to do he's got to switch up some stuff and he's got to switch up his approach uh, to what he does. Um, you know, when the games when games are on the line. And like you said, regular season and playoff basketball, totally different sports almost. And Denver seems primed to be the best team possibly in the playoffs yet again. Tony, I told you I would only take up 20 minutes of your time. I lied. It was 40. Um, Thanks for making it out. Thanks for making everybody listening smarter about what's happening, not just with your team, but with basketball in general right now. And uh, it was a freaking blast we'll have to do this sometime soon again no absolutely thank you for having me and the, the 40 minutes were well worth it <laughs> awesome get some food out there there's some good food out in dc yeah i'm actually um you know so my daughter goes to morgan state so okay um yeah so we're supposed to be going to dinner tonight so i'll figure out we'll figure out where we're gonna go and i'll try to get some good food for sure nice thanks so much thank you That's all the time that we have for this episode of The Heat Check. Special thanks to Tony Jones and Anthony, my producer. Come back for an all-new episode tomorrow for The Rookie Report. Check out the feed for past episodes and mini episodes, which drop unexpectedly like a rainstorm after a warm front. Do not forget to follow The Heat Check all season long. That means download. That means subscribe. That means tell all your friends, all of them, even your neighbors who are somehow drinking whiskey, and walking their dog at 11 a.m. in the morning. Tell them, hey, you should probably see someone about that, but also download the heat check while you're faded. Also, follow us on social at, at this heat check and at TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you next time.